This is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com, and I'm here with Scott Eklund, who's on the road, but he had to pull over to deal with the breaking news. This is an emergency podcast, 9-11 time here on Saturday afternoon. Jake Hayner has left the program just one day after Chris Peterson confirmed that Jacob Eason would be the starting quarterback for the Eastern Washington game, and he even said that Jake Hayner was going to get reps during the game. Now we're talking Saturday afternoon. We get an inbox, we get an email. Washington has announced that Jake Hayner has left the program effective immediately. What are your initial impressions, Scott? Well, my initial impressions are, you know, after Kim and I uh, talked about it yesterday in our in our little pot podcast about um, Eason being named the starter and what this means and everything like that, we both thought that Jake Hayner would eventually leave, um, but we thought it was this this uh, 2019 season was a good chance for him to get some some play on film, some games on film, and so that he could send out to other schools and show that what he could do. And um, I think this comes as a little surprise for me only because I thought with Peterson saying that he was definitely going to play against Eastern Washington and there's probably another game or two that he'd be able to get into, possibly even more than that, depending on how things go uh, with mop-up duty and things like that. So honestly, I'm a little surprised at the timing, but this doesn't come as, as a surprise from a him leaving standpoint. I think this was in the cards from the beginning. So a couple things. Obviously, if he, if – if it was in the cars from the beginning, then if you're in Jake Hayner's shoes, you're like, well, if I'm thinking about that anyways, I might as well just rip the Band-Aid off, right? I might as well, you know, I might as well just go for it. Second thing is, is that even with Peterson's comments, you're almost kind of left with the understanding that Hayner was looking at this probably from a do-or-die situation. Like, I'm either going to be named the starter, or I'm going to see the writing on the wall, and I'm going to bail. At least that's the way I'm looking at it. Is that how you're looking at it? Um... Well, I guess putting myself in Jake Hayner's shoes, yes. I I think my my where my hesitation in him leaving right away and ripping the Band-Aid off, like you uh, said uh, as kind of analogy, is that it's so late in the game he's not going to be able to play for any. He's never he's not going to be able to go to another school and and get on unless that school has a has an open spot and and he's going to end up redshirting. Uh, well, I guess he wouldn't redshirt. He's already redshirted, so he's got, just going to miss a year of eligibility. Or there is the possibility he's been, had his feelers out to some um, JUCO programs, uh, especially in the Northern California area where he's from originally. And maybe uh, those schools said, "Hey, we've got a spot for you if you if you need it, and uh, you can play right away here, and then go and play in 2020. Uh, for uh for your school and have two years of eligibility yeah i mean that makes sense i mean as long as his credits are in order they transfer over now all of a sudden he's in a position where he can even get his aa but like you said instead of sitting the year out go ahead and play and then you go with two to two to play two somewhere so it does really kind of have the feel of a situation where he had already kind of mapped out the scenarios and either he was going to get the job or he was going to look elsewhere. At least it just it feels like it was an all-or-nothing kind of proposition for him, which is interesting because it feels so at odds with what Peterson said himself. I mean, Peterson was like, we're very transparent about it. Everybody knows where they stand. Everybody's on the same page. Does it feel like they were all on the same page here? No, not to me. Um, now, maybe Chris Peterson 
would, would stand here and say, you don't know what the heck you're talking about because you weren't in those rooms with us. And that's obviously a possibility that I could be absolutely wrong, but just reading the tea leaves and, and seeing how this all kind of played out. No, I don't think that I think Jake Hayner was saying all the right things to Chris Peterson, but I think in the long run, he knew what he was going to do if he wasn't named the starter. Yeah. So, I mean, do you think this reflects all, uh, at all on, on Eason? Does this all of a sudden, is, is this Hayner saying, look, I, I won the job and I wasn't given the job for whatever reason, and I mean, does any of that come into play at all? Do you think? Well, you know, okay. First of all, for these kids to get to as far as they've gotten on, you know, and be at the level that they've gotten, you have to have some sort of an ego, but I don't think you could look at what Jacob Eason did in, in at least the five practices we've seen, or I guess the six, if you count, um, if you count picture day and, uh, stuff we've heard on the back end from other people who are not biased toward Eason or Hainer one way or the other, they were just telling us what was happening. Um, everybody that I'd heard had said, yes, uh, Jacob Eason and Jake Hainer were basically tied at the beginning of, of fall camp. But as things went along, Jacob Eason began to distance himself from the rest of the guys. And he was definitely the one that needed to be the choice. I honestly don't think this is a reflection though on uh, Hainer not liking uh, the decision from the standpoint, thinking he won it. I think he just said, if I'm not going to be the starter, then I'm going to find another place to play. And not, not, not from the standpoint of I'm pissed because I wasn't named the starter when I should have been. It's more, I, I wanted to be the starter, but since I didn't earn it, I need to go find a place that I can be the starter. Right. So I know you love the crystal balls, but if you had to uh, go out and make a prediction on this, do you think Hayner will go the Juco route and then try to get in the pac 12? Or do you think he'll drop right down into like a Fresno or a San Jose? Because the thing is, is that people need to remember he was here when, um, or was it, was he here when, um, when Jeff Tedford was here? I can't remember if he was here. No, he was not. He was the year after. That's right. He was the year after. So I was wondering if there was a connection there, but you know what I mean? Could they, could he maybe go Mountain West or do you think he'll try to shoot back into a power five school and, and go Juco in the meantime? Well, I think his best opportunity to play is probably at a lower level FBS school or even an FCS program. Could you see him at like a Sacramento state going out and killing it? Well, yeah. With Troy Taylor out there now, I mean, that, that could be a good, that could be a good landing spot for him for sure. Yeah. There, there's a lot of, of good Juco football being played. Portland State's probably got some opening. I don't know all the openings at these schools and everything, but Portland State's got some opportunity. Eastern Washington, I'm sure, uh, is a place that he could look at as well. Um, I, I guess my whole thing is it, I just don't see him leaving now um, unless he knows that he has a spot that he can play at because if he's going to transfer to a school right now, um, he's definitely missing a whole year. He's not going to be able to play this year. So if that's the case, then why wouldn't you go to a Juco? I think if, if you're telling me I have to put my money down on something, it's that he's going to go play at a Juco somewhere and then he's going to end up signing with the school. I do not see him going directly to a four-year school. Yeah. And that's something that uh monster UCLA did and then is now at Cal. So, I mean, it, it's certainly an option that they've had now. And, um, you know, now it's something with the Pac-12 having relaxed their inner, you know, their their in-league transfer policy. They're treating it just like a regular transfer instead of the two-year ban. 
So, yeah, there's obviously a possibility he could come back in the Pac-12 at some time, but the earliest we'll be able to see that will be obviously in 2020. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Let's move on from him now that he's not there. Now, and also need to remind people, we saw this in the spring with Jacob Sermon and with Colson Yankoff. Even though you might be in the transfer portal, you could take your name out of the portal if you needed to. Do I think that's going to happen with Jay Kaner? No. I mean, when the school announces it, I have a feeling there's some finality in this part of the process for him. I think he's definitely moving on. That being said, Washington now has three quarterbacks on their roster, one of them a true freshman in Dylan Morris. They're back to where they were at the end of spring, which is kind of a weird feeling. Yeah, um... You know, I guess I guess the way I would look at it is is that this will give Jacob Sermon a ton of reps as the, he's likely the number two guy. Although um, you just never know now uh, because he's only a year ahead of Dylan Morris, and Dylan Morris coming out of high school is probably a little bit better developed than Jacob Sermon was coming out of high school. So, are they even? Are you know how's that going to work? Let's just go with seniority and everything like that. I think Dylan Morris runs a scout team, and I think uh, Jacob Sermon ends up getting all of the number two reps, and and we'll just have to see um, how he develops as a as a player. But I, I guess the thing that we could end up seeing is the fact that Dylan Morris may see four games worth of action this year in the th- in the thinking that. They might need him to be the backup either this year or next year, depending on how Jacob Sermon handles things mentally and 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 is able to you know do things. So um, I mean, Chris Peterson yesterday had high praise for both Jake Eason or I'm sorry Jacob uh, Sermon and Dylan Morris, uh, saying that those guys were right on it for where they're at. They were right where they wanted them to be and and uh, were able to pick stuff up really quickly. So. If, if he was being truthful with us, and I have no reason to think that he wasn't, I think Jacob Sermon is probably your, your number two, but I think Dylan Morris is going to push him a little bit, and then we'll just have to see. I bet you anything he gets at least two or three games worth of action, if not all four, and then see where things stand. I think that's right, Scott. And to add to that, we know what Chris Peterson in his history is with freshman quarterbacks. He's not adverse to playing them at all. He's not adverse to putting them in tough situations if he feels like they are the ones that give Washington the best opportunity to win games. And so he did, obviously he did it with Jake Browning back in 15. Could he do it with Dylan Morris this year? We obviously didn't see that coming because there were enough bodies ahead of him. But now that there really isn't, and it could be a real free-for-all, I wouldn't put it past Chris Peterson and Bush Hamden at all to see a guy like Dylan Morris playing right away. And then behind him, you've got Ethan Garbers for next year, who just, by the way, threw for 480 yards and eight touchdowns in his first game. My last question to you, and it's already been asked on the message boards, do you think Washington will now have to go for a second quarterback because they're thin, or are they going to roll with Garbers for 2020 and then bring on the Sam Heward Express in 2021? 
I think if they do anything for this year, I think it'll be looking for a, a guy that they like as a walk-on candidate or maybe like a, um, you know, a senior transfer uh, to, to go with Jacob Eason. We said it yesterday in the podcast um, after Eason was named. I My personal opinion is that Jacob Eason will return for his senior season at the University of Washington. I believe he'll have two seasons here, this season and next season. However, if he is, if he has a really good season and is told you're going to be a top 10 draft choice, I think you've got to go, right? I mean, when, when you have that kind of money thrown at you um, to play this game of football and there's no guarantees you're going to get out and have a better situation the following year, I think you go. And if that's the case, then I don't think you want just Jacob Sermon and Dylan Morris and Ethan Garbers. I think you want somebody in there who you think can do it. So it wouldn't surprise me if they try and go out and find a guy who's like either a senior transfer from the portal or a guy that um, is a Juco kid who can, who's got one or two years of eligibility that they think can fit into the offense. So um, right now I don't see them taking another quarterback. I think they want um, to make sure that they, they restock the team and the way they do and keep their numbers where they want it to be at each position and everything like that. Um, I think they end up not taking another one, but it wouldn't surprise me if they start looking for some walk-on candidates of local guys who they think could walk on and at least be an arm in camp and possibly be here in the spring and see if he's worthy of a scholarship. Yeah, and I think when people think that with the transfer portal, we have to start to assume and, and look at that as a place where you can get some quality. I mean, look at what Justin Fields did going from Georgia to Penn State. Look at what Jalen Hurts did going from Alabama to Oklahoma. Um, obviously, Colson Yankoff going from Washington to UCLA. So that always is an option now. It, it may not be something where you can start to predict how those dominoes are going to fall, right? Because it just, everyone's, like we wouldn't necessarily have assumed that Jay Kaner was going to transfer today. Maybe like you said at the very beginning, transferring out was certainly a possibility but the timing of this thing is what's really interesting to me so the timing of 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 how guys enter the portal and teams getting in touch with them trying to set up lines of communication so there could be a possible transfer you always have to look at that as a possibility now for sure and with washington's reputation with quarterbacks now i think that's something you certainly have to look at um, I would think the other thing for sure is is if Washington gets to like the playoff this year, for instance, I think it's a fair assumption that Jacob Beeson did exactly what everyone expected him to do and had a monster year. And you're right. If he has a monster year like that, I think he could be gone. And if he's gone, then all sorts of possibilities start to open up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you basically repeated what I said. I mean, you said <laughs> yeah. it more eloquently than I did. But yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if he... If they make the playoffs and he does what he's supposed to do and has a really good season and he goes to the pro scouts and they say, yeah, you're definitely a top 10 pick, then I believe he's probably gone. But that being said, I don't think that's going to happen from the standpoint, I think, of him being told he's going to be a top 10 draft choice. I think they're going to want him to, to spend one more season and, and do what he needs to do. And if that's the case, Washington will be really set up well for the 2021 season. Like Kim said yesterday, this team is poised for a huge 2021 season if you have a senior quarterback starting his second year for the Huskies. And uh, 
I, I think Washington would definitely be a top five team entering into the season next year. And they look like they could be a, a national title contender. And, and that's kind of what you're looking for. So let's hope that Jacob Eason decides to stay. If you're a Husky fan, you're hoping that he stays. But just looking at it realistically, if somebody's offering you 20 to $30 million guaranteed, I think it's kind of hard to say you're not going to take that. Right. No, good stuff, Scott. I'll let you go. I appreciate you pulling over and and, uh, doing the emergency podcast with me, as always. I'll tell you what, guys. It's it's crazy, but game week is 48 hours away. Uh, We got the press conference with Chris Peterson Monday at 11.30, and then it's off and running. And we kind of thought things might settle down a little bit with the Friday news that, you know, Chris Peterson confirmed that Jacob uh, Jacob Eason was going to be the starting quarterback for Eastern Washington. But nope, it looks like that's just when the news started. So a lot of stuff going on. Keep your eyes and ears peeled to dogman.com for all the latest news, updates, and everything else. It's on, guys. We What are we? We're literally seven days away. Seven days away from the first game of the 2019 season. It's going to be a blast. So for Scott Eklund, I'm Chris Fetters of dogman.com. Go dogs. (laughs) 